Welcome to the Economics Explored podcast, a frank and fearless exploration of important economic issues. I'm your host, Gene Tunney. I'm a professional economist and former Australian Treasury official. The aim of this show is to help you better understand the big economic issues affecting all our lives. We do this by considering the theory, evidence, and by hearing a wide range of views. I'm delighted that you can join me for this episode. Please check out the show notes for relevant information. Now on to the show. Thanks for tuning into the show. In this episode, I chat with my colleague Arturo Espinosa from Adept Economics about the greedflation hypothesis. Are greedy corporations to blame for the high inflation that we've been living through? After you've listened to the episode, please let me know what you think about the greedflation hypothesis. You can email me at contact at economicsexplored.com. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's get into the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Arturo, good to have you back on the program. Thanks, Jean. I am very happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, Arturo, so it's at the end of the week. Uh, It's Friday, the 28th of April, 2023. Earlier this week, we had the March quarter inflation number for Australia. It came in at 7%, so it was lower than at uh, its peak of 7.8% the quarter before, but it's it's still high and I mean, there's still concerns about cost of living in Australia for sure. I mean, that's something we've all been noticing as uh, we go to the supermarket uh, and other stores. So for sure, inflation's still high. One of the things I think is interesting, and I must admit I've come to this issue late, it's this issue or this accusation of greedflation. Have you heard about this concept of greedflation, Arturo? Well, lately, yes. But when I was... Uh student in Peru. I haven't heard that. No, no. I think it's a, it's, know, a, new, it's, yeah. a it's a new term that, that's been thrown around. There's this accusation that a lot of the inflation we're seeing is due to profiteering. It's due to greedy corporations. So obviously we do need to be concerned about big business and monopoly power. There's a, That's a legitimate thing to be concerned about. But there is this question of to what extent can we explain the inflation that we've seen by greedy corporations? So is it greedflation? And uh, this has been quite prominent in the media. So uh, there's a think tank here in Australia, the Australia Institute, and it's put out a paper in which they're saying that this is a big part of the inflation problem. So we might talk about that in a moment. And, uh, yeah, it's an accusation that's been thrown around in other countries too, in the States and also in Europe. There was an article in Fortune magazine earlier this week. Greedflation is the European Central Bank's latest headache amid fears. It's the key culprit for price hikes. And, I mean, what we see in whether it's in Europe or whether it's in the States or whether it's here in Australia or the UK, if you just look at the data, if you look at data on inflation, you look at data on corporate profits and wages and you look at data on other input costs, it is the case that profits have been have been high and they have grown in this uh, post-pandemic period and this has led some people 
to argue that, well, they're just profiteering, they're putting prices up more than can be justified. Now, I think this is a difficult hypothesis to prove. I, I, I've been thinking about it a bit and how you might demonstrate whether it's the case or not that this is true or, or whether you can, whether we can rule it out or, or is it something that is, uh, it is a legitimate possibility. We do know that certainly profits for oil and gas companies and uh, also coal mining companies here in Australia, they've been, they've been very high. And uh, also profits in other sectors too have been, uh, have been high. So in banks and, and, and in other sectors, and that's what the Australia Institute argues. One of the challenges I see, however, is that in economics, as in other sciences, you need to be careful to distinguish between correlation and causation. I think what institutes such as research, researchers, think tanks, uh, such as the Australia Institute have found, I think they've found a correlation. Is it causation? I think that's a lot harder to establish and yes. we might go into, into why that's the case. So mm-hmm. I want to talk about correlation versus causation. How might you prove whether this greedflation is, uh, is a legitimate thing or not? And we've also got to think about, yeah, what's the what's the scientific way to, to look at this and to come to a conclusion? Now, the Australia Institute is a think tank and it has a particular agenda. It has a a progressive or a left-wing bias. And so this type of hypothesis of greedflation appeals to it. So we, we need to keep that in mind and we should think rigorously about whether it makes sense or not. Okay, so that's uh, that's a bit of an intro to this idea of greedflation. Well, one of the other things I just wanted to mention in the intro is that there have been calls for a windfall tax on oil and gas companies in uh, in many countries, and they did impose one in the UK. I don't know if you saw the news about the that windfall tax that they imposed on oil and gas. No, what, what happened? Oh, they put on a uh, an energy profits levy because arguably a lot of the the excess profits that the oil and gas companies were making that was due to the higher prices associated with the war in Ukraine. And if you think about it from an economic perspective, they really didn't need those profits to have been motivated to invest in the first place. So you could argue that they were they were ex- super normal profits, and so therefore. You could make a case for a uh, some sort of excess profits levy, and so that's what they did in the UK. They put on a an energy profits levy, a twenty five percent surcharge on extraordinary profits the oil and gas sector is making, and and that's a, we saw a similar thing here in Australia. Well, in Queensland, with the higher royalty rates on coal, so they put in a new a couple of new tiers in their royalty rates. I think they had a forty percent. There's now a forty, what is it, a forty dollars a ton royalty rate uh, once the coal price gets above a certain certain uh, level, and I mean this this is something that's controversial because then companies say, well, there's a sovereign risk, that, or there's a risk of uh, that that we didn't anticipate before. Now we have to really think about whether we invest in your state or your country. So there's that. Had to consider 
But that's just to say that why this is relevant is because if you think that this greedflation is a problem, then you might be more inclined to to advance policy measures like that, like a windfall profits tax or higher higher company tax or something like that. So I think that's a that's one of the issues in the the policy debate I thought I'd mention. Okay, Arturo, any thoughts on that or greedflation so far? It seems that probably <laughs> this greedflation can be caused by these um corporate big multinational or co- bigger corporation that want to maximize the profits without taking into account what's happening in well at house household level no? the the pressure of this inflation practically is on the household Australian households that they need to pay uh, higher prices in energy fuel a lot of uh, grocery stuff so that is that is painful. Yeah. How plausible do you think this greedflation hypothesis is? So basically it's saying that the corporations are taking advantage of this concern over inflation or that they see that, okay, so prices have started to rise and corporations think, okay, let's just keep increasing prices because we're, we've got the cover to do so now. We're it's uh, you know, we can get away with it essentially. Uh-huh. Now, what what's the problem with that argument? So, if we're thinking like economists, we'd say that the problem with that argument is that if one company decides to do that and they're doing it illegitimately, that their costs of production really haven't increased. Wouldn't another company try and undercut them, or try to they just try, they wouldn't raise their prices as much, and then they could steal some market share from them? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so. It requires some type of coordination among the companies, doesn't it? Some sort of implicit collusion. And I think this is where some of these models, there are some theoretical models, it appears, which are trying to uh, lend support to this greedflation hypothesis. Did you, I think you found a study, didn't you, Arturo, that said that this, or was that an empirical study you found that said that where there's market power, it looks like there is some tendency to have there, is it higher inflation? There are a few of them. The, they have, those papers have found a positive correlation between higher concentration, higher inflationary pressure. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And do you think they're good studies? Do they are they published in good journals? Do we what do we know yes, about them? Th- those are published. Uh, most of them are published in good journals. And also, well, in economy, we know that uh, the methodologies bar, uh, are different. And also, each methodology has its pros and cons, so we, we need to to consider that and analyze in, in detail what, what is yeah. behind okay. uh, that. So probably too much for us to do in this uh, episode, but we'll put <laughs> links in the show notes. Uh, so if you're in the audience in, interested in having a look at those studies, you can check them out, and uh, I might have a, a closer look at them after this. I, I know that there are studies like that, uh, and that would lend support to this greedflation hypothesis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe we can't completely rule it out. There's a paper by John Quiggan and Flavio Menezes, uh, and John and uh, Flavio, they're professors at University of Queensland in economics. Uh, I know both of them well, and John's actually been on the show before. And they wrote a piece in the conversation. I think they had a working paper to back it up in Inflation's been amplified by firms with market power. And so 
Their argument is that where one or more firms is big enough to have market power for any given quantity sold, prices will be higher, yep, and increasingly higher as demand for the product climbs, okay. This means that after a boost to demand, such as the one that followed the COVID stimulus and the end of the lockdowns, firms with market power amplify the resulting inflationary shock. Okay, so they've got a model where they come to a conclusion that having market power means that you're more likely to be able to take advantage or to put your prices up if there's this this demand shock, okay? Possibly. I mean, my feeling is that if there is a, a level of competition in the market, then that should constrain that. But look, you know, if there is market power, maybe. That's an interesting uh, interesting hypothesis. And there are studies from the states. Did you? See, this isn't just something in Australia. There are studies uh, from the US as well. There's a Kansas City Fed study from 2021. There's a really interesting point they make in this that I think is worth thinking about in this whole greedflation conversation. So I think Andrew Glover, Jose, I think you know how to pronounce this name. Uh, yeah, um, Jose Mustrell Rio. Okay, that's great. And Alice von Enderbecker, they present evidence that markup growth, so markups on uh, products sold so for the to get the profit, so the markup growth was a major contributor to inflation in 2021. Markups grew by 3.4% over the year, whereas inflation as measured by the price index for personal consumption expenditures was 5.8% suggesting markups could account for more than half of 2021 inflation. This is what I think is fascinating, though. They note that the timing and cross-industry patterns of markups growth, of markup growth, are more consistent with firms raising prices in anticipation of future cost increases rather than an increase in monopoly power or higher demand. I think that's a really critical point. So, look, it might be the case that if you look at the data at the moment, that it looks like for, yeah, businesses are, are doing incredibly well, so they've got high profits and they've, they've increased their prices, but it could be that they've increased their prices in anticipation of uh, future cost increases. Now, to some extent, you have seen those future cost increases, well, in fuel. I mean, fuel prices were higher for, uh, I think they've started to come down. But energy prices here in Australia are still going up. Costs of other inputs are increasing. Labor costs, labor hasn't responded as much as uh, some people have been forecasting for years. So wages growth has still hasn't really been that spectacular. Uh, but look, I mean, there's something too that that could be the case that what we're seeing is uh, businesses, it's not as if they're being greedy, they're just concerned about their own costs rising and they're increasing their their profits. Another thing to keep in mind, of course, is that that uh, profits are pro-cyclical and this inflation has occurred at a time of a booming economy. The economy post-COVID boomed and as we came out of the pandemic and that's a time when you'd naturally expect to see high profits and we've also seen high inflation, unfortunately. So it could be correlation rather than causation. Again, look, lots of there's a lot going on. There are lots of aspects to the economy, and I think that Kansas City Fed study, and I'll link to that in the show notes, that makes a good point about how you need to consider expectations in uh, assessing what uh, companies are doing. 
Okay. There's also a study by the Boston Fed that you found, wasn't there? So this is one of the yes. other Federal Reserve banks. So mm-hmm. what was that? Cost-price relationships in a concentrated economy. Was this a study you were talking about before? Exactly, yes, about the concentration, yeah. Right, okay. So the US economy is at least 50% more concentrated today than it was in 2005. So they, their findings suggest the increase in industry concentration over the past two decades could be amplifying the inflationary pressure from current supply chain disruptions in a tight labour market. Okay, so this was uh, a paper from 2002. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, right, so that's that's supporting that greedflation thesis. Look, there's there's a whole bunch of, you know, there's studies that support it to an extent and then there's others that question it or there's commentary that questions it. And one of the things you found, Arturo, which I think was fascinating, was that the, so the Reserve Bank of Australia, so our central bank in, here in Australia, it doesn't really give any credence, it doesn't really think much of this whole greedflation idea, does it? Or it hasn't hasn't raised it or doesn't talk about it as a possible explanation, does it? Exactly, yeah. The RBA pointed out that the supply side factors accounting for around half of the increase in the inflation over the year to September 2022, but they didn't mention anything about greedy corporations. Mm, right, okay. So um, but what I'll do is so I can be, uh, to be objective and to be, to be fair on both sides of the argument, I'll, I'll put links to to uh, to what the RBA has been saying, to to both of those uh, Fed studies, and also to what the Australia Institute has been has been saying. I mean, they've been the most uh, vocal about about this. I mean, their analysis to them suggest, and this is an, an analysis of national accounts data. Again, it's it's an analysis of correlations of of data that's. They're seeing these things happening at the same time and drawing a conclusion based on that. Now, can you make the conclusion that this is due to greedy corporations or corporations being more greedy than normal? Okay, I mean, we live in a capitalist economy, okay, so uh, businesses are going to maximise profits, there's no doubt about that. Um, but, look, that's the that's the system we're in. But uh, is this something that in times of inflation does it amplify the inflation or lead to to more inflation than you you'd otherwise expect i think that's the hypothesis the australia institute based on their uh, correlation all analysis i'd call it so it's just looking at correlations they would argue that it it does so their analysis suggests to them that 69% of excess inflation so above the the reserve bank's target of 2.5% since the end of 2019 came from higher unit corporate profit margins while only 18% was due to labour costs. Right, okay. And uh, they go on in that report to say that, look, it's not just the profits in the mining sector because it was just profits in the mining sector and whereby, okay, the miners are really profitable and so there's a lot more profit in the Australian economy. That's on... That's because of all these export earnings, right? So it's not as if they're making all of these profits by exploiting people uh, in the domestic economy. So that's where that argument of theirs would fall down. But then they do go on to point out it's not just mining that where there's these excess profits in their view, there's you know higher profits in 
in financial services and in banking and uh, in, in other sectors. So, um, yeah, check that out. Um, and I think they ask a good question and uh, it's good that they've, uh, they've made this contribution to the debate because it forces us to think rigorously about what's been driving inflation and what's the cause of inflation. And we'll get onto that again mm-hmm. in a moment. Okay, we'll take a short break here for a word from our sponsor. If you need to crunch the numbers, then get in touch with Adept Economics. We offer you frank and fearless economic analysis and advice. We can help you with funding submissions, cost-benefit analysis studies, and economic modelling of all sorts. Our head office is in Brisbane, Australia, but we work all over the world. You can get in touch via our website, www.adepteconomics.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. Now back to the show. One of my old Treasury colleagues, John Keogh, in the Financial Review, John's written an opinion piece, uh, which is very good. John's a good writer. Blaming inflation on greedy business is a populist cop-out. And I think what John is... uh, saying here, I think this is where a lot of uh, the economists in the Reserve Bank or the Treasury, uh, I think they would agree with John. I think I largely agree with John, and I'll I'll go into into why in a moment. And John's um, main message is that it was the spillover of public sector stimulus that lasted for too long, not price gouging by companies that fueled the inflation outbreak. Did you have a look at that, uh, that article by John? Mm, yes, uh, yes, I reviewed the conclusion. Yes. Mm, he, he made a good point. Yeah, yeah. And he relied on a study by Chris Murphy, who's a former uh, Treasury modeler. I actually worked with Chris's daughter in uh, Treasury, uh, Carol, if I, believe, if I remember correctly. So, uh, yeah, Chris uh, is a well-known uh, Australian macro economist. And uh, he was at KPMG EconTech for a while. Now he's a visiting fellow at ANU. And he's done something a bit more advanced than what the Australia Institute did. The Australia Institute just looked at the national accounts and the inflation data and tried to draw conclusions from that, from just basic data analysis. Mm -hmm. Now, I think the problem in economics is you can only go so far doing that if we're talking about testing hypotheses, what's a scientific approach to do that? You probably need something a bit more than just the the basic data analysis. Now, one of the problems we have in economics, of course, is that you can't run controlled experiments as you can in a lab. So we're always trying to come up with clever ways to to analyse the data, to do econometric modelling of some kind, to work out whether these hypotheses uh, uh, can be uh, maintained or whether they're they're rejected, that's what I'd say on that. And and what Chris Murphy does is he runs a simulation. He's got this macroeconomic model, this econometric model of the Australian economy, based on a broad range of macroeconomic data and. Uh, relationships that have some basis in economic theory. And what he does is he simulates the economy 
if it was subject to COVID, but there wasn't all of the arguably excessive monetary and fiscal policy response. There was the there was some contraction in GDP. I mean, there was a quite a substantial contraction in GDP still in that first quarter of COVID because people just would have naturally socially distanced anyway, right? Even in the absence of policy measures, and we did see that in uh, in some economies that there was no there was no way of avoiding the the economic shock from COVID entirely. But if you didn't have the all of that stimulus, then by his estimates, you would have avoided a lot of the inflation. And I think this is really, really interesting, uh, really interesting modelling. And uh, Chris Murphy has a paper in the Economic Papers Journal, which is uh, a journal that's actually published by the Queensland branch of the Economic Society of Australia which I was once the secretary of. Uh, no longer, though. But you can get that online. I'll put a link in the show notes. Fiscal policy in the COVID-19 era. Uh, really good paper. And what he does in this paper, which I think is excellent, is he just highlights how massively generous the COVID stimulus was, the stimulus during COVID was, particularly JobKeeper, which was just you know, incredibly generous. And, and you end up, because of the eligibility rules, there are all these people who are, they were only employed part-time, but they effectively get compensated as if they were full-time workers. Uh, so there are a lot of people getting excess, excess money and there's an argument that that stopped some of those people from searching for a new job if they were, if they were on JobKeeper or if they were being supported by JobKeeper. So, um, yeah, lots of problems with that, uh, that stimulus. I think we're if, if we had another pandemic, I mean, let's hope we don't. Uh, I mean, I'm still getting recovering from that last one. I mean, that was just the excessive response was just out of, just yeah, incredible. But if we do have it, I think we'd we'd have a a much better, or I hope we'd have a much better economic policy response. But what Chris Murphy found was that the fis- and this is in Australia, the fiscal response to compensate for income losses. In services industries meant that unemployment was around two percentage points lower for three years than otherwise than it otherwise would have been. And there was overcompensation. For every one dollar of income the private sector lost under COVID, fiscal policy provided two dollars of compensation. And then there was, of course, the ultra-low interest rates, 0.1% cash rate, the hundreds of billions of dollars of monetary stimulus via quantitative easing. All of this additional money in bank accounts. I've got some charts that I'll put in the show notes that just show how much the Australian money supply has grown. I think since 2020, the amount of money, so the the stock of money in Australia has increased by nearly a third or around a third or something like that. And you think about that, this is part of this whole, and this is something, what, what, what I've been saying on this show for the last couple of years, I mean, what we've got is too too much money chasing too few goods. If you looked at what happened during the pandemic and within the fiscal policy and monetary policy, what we saw with the inflation, now no doubt a significant part of it was due to the invasion of Ukraine, but what we did end up seeing with inflation is what you would have expected based on the, the massive stimulus and particularly the massive monetary growth that we saw. 
Uh, and so therefore, you don't need this greedflation hypothesis. You can explain a lot of it by the excessive stimulus. And this is what Chris Murphy shows in that paper. Do you have any thoughts on that, Arturo? Well, the, this um, point that you, the last point that you have mentioned is very clear. Um, it made me think, okay, yes, um, the, this greedy corporation argument is not um, 100% uh, sure should be better if some academics uh, or general researchers will try to understand the drivers behind inflation. When I mention uh, drivers, of course, we, we, we include these uh, government expenditure in, in increments, and also let, we, we can include another um, factors uh, at firm level, like, for example, to to use markups in order to maximize profits. So that kind of thing, yes. Yeah, I think you made a good point before. I mean, we really want to have a look at what's been happening in specific firms. So I think we'll have to wait for studies that really examine what's happened to that firm level, maybe using that business longitudinal database data. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, clearly this is a, it's a big issue and I think it's one that we need more evidence uh, to resolve. But I guess what I would say is that we shouldn't jump to the conclusion I mean, I'm pretty confident that we shouldn't jump to the conclusion that it's greedflation, that it's just because of greedy corporations. I think there's there's a lot more. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm not even sure to what extent that's a significant factor. Exactly. I mean, uh, are corporations more greedy than normal? Um, uh, I mean, is this idea that uh, it could amplify a, a shock that is inflationary? Possibly, but I'd like to see, yeah, I'll have to, sort of think deeply about what that model is and what that mechanism is. I mean, my view is that you don't need that greedflation hypothesis to explain what's happened because it's perfectly understandable if you just think about the the massive uh, the massive shock that mm-hmm. we saw. Yeah. Now, so I think Chris Murphy, what he found was that if you didn't have the stimulus, if you just had COVID, then then by the end of 2022, you'd have inflation at around 4.2%. So you would have ended up with some inflation as uh, the economy bounced back after COVID. But what ended up happening, of course, is that inflation went far beyond 4.2% in Australia. We ended up with 7.8% in Australia. And what Chris Murphy's modelling shows is that... uh, in his scenario, his uh, his actual forecast scenario, he's worked out that the excessive macro stimulus drives inflation three percentage points higher, so three percentage points higher to a peak of 7.2%, okay, which is in the ball, ballpark of where it did get. So in his model, he can explain it with the stimulus. Now, of course, it's a macro model and ma- models, you know, we all know the problems of trying to forecast the economy and modelling the the actual path of the economy with an econometric model with with equations where we've got parameters estimated uh, statistically or using econometric methods, they you know, they have their limitations. But to me, what what Chris Murphy does is uh, is a better way to think about this or to try and answer this question than just this basic correlation analysis that's done where we go, oh well, profits are up, inflation's up. Wages aren't up by much. It looks like it must all be 
Inflation's, you know, at the same time as we're having inflation, companies are making more money. Uh, therefore, uh, it's greedy, uh, greedy corporations. I think uh, I don't really think that's uh, that's the right way to think about it. Having said that, I mean uh, it's worth having the conversation and forces us all to think more rigorously about the causes of inflation and what we should do about it. Any thoughts, Arturo? Um, no, Jim. I think that's pretty much all I wanted to to go over. Um, I'll put links in the show notes uh, to all these various papers and reports we talked about. The RBA's put something out on inflation drivers where they look at the different factors and yeah, they don't seem to think much of this whole greedflation explanation. But look, I think, uh, yeah, it's worth covering. I know that... Uh, you know, we do have to be mindful of corporate power. We have to be mindful of uh, of monopolies or oligopolies that exploit their market power. There's no doubt about that. I mean, and that's why we have things like the ACCC, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, or we have the we have the antitrust statutes in the US, and we have um, whatever the equivalent is in the UK. Did you see in the in the they're quite muscular in the UK? Did you see the they're blocking that? Uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard. No, I haven't seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Because one of the things I've covered on this show is this issue of big tech and to what extent we should be concerned about big tech. So I might have to come back to that in a in a future episode. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting development because they're concerned about, I mean, Microsoft's already a behemoth, right? <laughs> they're concerned about, yeah, Microsoft getting, uh, getting even more market power in games. Okay, well, um, Arturo, thanks so much for your time and for helping me think about this issue of greedflation. It's helpful to talk about these issues with uh, with colleagues uh, so I can think about, yeah, really clarify how I'm thinking about it. Am I on the right track? Am I being biased? Am I too sceptical of this hypothesis, which might actually have some merit? But, yeah, I think my view is that we can probably explain inflation most of, if not all of the inflation by the excessive fiscal and monetary stimulus. We don't need this greedflation hypothesis. That said, look, if they can provide convincing evidence that it is a thing, then sure, let's uh, let's uh, look at it a bit more closely. So I think that's where I'll, uh, I'll end up. Uh, Arturo, thanks so much for your time. Okay, thank you for having me. This was my pleasure. Very good. Righto, thanks for listening to this episode of Economics Explored. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions, please get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email via contact at economicsexplored.com or a voicemail via SpeakPipe. You can find the link in the show notes. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd be grateful if you could tell anyone you think would be interested about it. Word of mouth is one of the main ways that people learn about the show. Finally, if your podcasting app lets you, then please write a review and leave a rating. Thanks for listening. I hope you can join me again next week. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. For more content like this, or to begin your own podcasting journey, head on over to obsidian-productions.com.